Kraken Fancast, the podcast for Seattle Kraken fans by Seattle Kraken fans. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kraken Fancast. I'm your host, Chris Porter. I'll be joined momentarily by my colleagues Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson for some Seattle Kraken hockey talk, our favorite. Plus, plus, this is such a big plus, guys. We are featuring an interview with Root Sports' own Piper Shaw. Piper was very kind to make some time in her insanely busy schedule, covering the Kraken games, traveling all over the place, doing uh, pregame bits and interviewing players. She's she's all over the place and a super nice lady, uh, really smart. We had a great chat with her. So we spoke a little bit about her background, how she got the gig working for the uh, Root Sports and going over her experiences and thoughts about the team. It was a great conversation. We're, uh, we're really psyched to share that with you in a bit. But before we get to that, we do want to mention that uh, you've tuned in the Kraken FanCast, and we focus on all subject matter we can about National Hockey League's 32nd franchise, the Seattle Kraken. We share news about the team, analyze their play, and go over various team-related news and thoughts of things. Uh, we'll also at times present interviews with people involved with the team, as well as those in the fan community, plus... We aim to go into some different subject matter you might not hear on other Kraken-related podcasts. And I think we may do that this evening, too, so stay tuned. Uh, before we get to that, we'd like to acknowledge our very kind and generous sponsors. First up, Silver City Brewery, located in Bremerton, with their beer sold throughout the state of Washington and beyond. Beer for one, beer for all. Silver City is an all-inclusive Northwest craft beer adventure in every pint. Also, big thanks to the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey theme bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. All right. Since our last episode, there have been a bunch of games. We're going to kind of focus on a little bits of the last four. Um, they played the Chicago Blackhawks, who weren't really thinking much. And granted, it's early in the season, but we weren't really having huge expectations for the Chicago Blackhawks. But they're... They were on a little bit of a ride there, and unfortunately, the uh, Kraken had to be a part of that uh, winning ride. This is back on uh, October 23rd over in Chicago. They uh, lost by a score of 5-4. to four. Felt like uh, the Kraken had that game in hand, and they were going to win, but uh, third period, um, Tyler Johnson and Jason Dickinson of the Blackhawks uh, came up with a couple of goals, went ahead. I mean, we saw some goals by Vince Dunn, Matty Beneers. Uh, Andre Borkowski, what a great addition he's been so far, uh, Jared McCann, but it was just not enough to overtake the uh, Chicago Blackhawks that day. So they lost that one, then uh, came back in a big way, back, came back home, played the Buffalo Sabres, who they kind of owned last year, but the Sabres, you know, have been playing better hockey this year, There's a lot more expectations of them, but whew, they didn't show that in Seattle, uh, big time, one of the best Kraken wins. Figures was one game I didn't make this year. Uh, Kraken defeat the Sabres five to one. Yes, you heard that right. Five to one. Uh, Alexiak, Geeky, Sprong, and McCann. McCann again with uh, goals, and then Matty Beneers finished it all up with the fifth goal there uh, in, in the third period. So that was a beautiful game to watch. So hey, all right. One thing is. These guys were scoring a lot of goals at that point. So, I mean, obviously, offense is looking a lot better. Offense looked pretty good the next game, too. They're playing the Vancouver Canucks, who were off to a 
at that point, a horrible start. Oh, man, this this game was looking like back to the future. I was feeling like a cracking game from last year. They outshot the, the uh, Vancouver Canucks. I'm looking here for the shots thing here. Where is it? Um, it was by, it was 36 Kraken shots to 19 Canuck shots. 36 to 19, folks. You figure the Kraken must have won that. No, they didn't. They lost it five to four somehow. And we saw stuff like that a lot last season. Oh, my God. Here we go again. Was this where we're going to run into again? Tough loss. That one stung. But, again, add to the roller coaster, right? We're on the roller coaster. And then we had a beautiful game, had, you know, low expectations for the Pittsburgh Penguins come to town. And they've been struggling. They were on a little bit of a losing streak. And, oh, man, as, as of this recording, they were on a hell of a long losing streak. And the Kraken contributed to that, defeating the Penguins. Three to one in that game. That one was that one was a really solid game. Martin Jones played a fantastic game. Grubauer has been hurt, so it's been Jones, and then they brought up Joey DeCourt from Coachella. So uh, Martin Jones has been playing the bulk of the games recently, um, and uh, he, he, you know, nine seventy save percentage, thirty two saves. Um, Jordan Eberle got his first goal. Geeky the new. A new father, too. He had a big week that both Jones and Everly had kids uh, that week. And then, boom, here, do well in the hockey game, guys. And they really did. So, Ebbs did great. Geeky with another goal. And uh, Schwartz, it was a great game to watch. So, anyway, uh, they came up big time on that. And now we uh, we come to our uh, recording time. And um, one more game, though. They played uh, the Calgary Flames Ooh, and in Calgary. Calgary's looking pretty good. They're expected to be good, even though they don't have Johnny Gaudreau. Still a solid team there. It was not looking good for a while. I mean, the Kraken came up one uh, nothing off off the bat, but then uh, the Flames started really scoring. But it was it was a seesaw battle. But toward the end, uh, with goals from Yanni Gord and Matty Beniers uh, near the end, Kraken came up with a win in Calgary, five to four. So I'm not mentioning. You notice a lot of goals there. A lot of offense, Jim Cockrell. Where do they get all these goals from? I didn't. <laughs> wow. Well, you know where they got a majority of. Well, the pickups sure helped Burkowski and Bjorkstrand, uh, and then basically figuring out that top six and getting some chemistry going has added to the arsenal of everybody contributing. And then the bottom six has been pumping it out as well. I think uh, as of last night's game in Calgary, was it Susie that scored his first? Yep. So. And uh, Gord's first came late on a shorty. I was kind of surprised that that was a shorty. I love shorties. Wow. I love shorties. And and we have a few of those, I believe. But so I think somebody posted that we were at 17 or 18 individuals that have scored on the club, which is one of the higher in the leagues. So that's impressive. That's exactly what you want. It wasn't quite 20, but it's near there. You're right. Right. And, you know, our, our, our goal average uh, last year, was a two six and we're at a three three right now. So that's what you're seeing with the two pickups, the line chemistry, the depth, and you know what? Two years of this system. So there you go. Uh, that's a substantial increase on goal production. I know it's early. And then of course the PP builds right off that as well. Cause we're getting a lot there. So um, it's been a, it's been a great little run here. We're just above 500. It's a little Jekyll and Hyde at times. You know, the bad games are bad. I, on my, I look at my notes and I highlight red on any bad stat and green on any good. 
and each sheet alternates back and forth. So it's a little Jekyll and Hyde, but you know what? For the first time, we're at above 500, and I've only ever expected 500 to this day. So I'm, I'm quite pleased. We'll see how it goes. We need to clean up the bad, ugly wins with the things that are happening, like the quick answer backs, the quick uh, succession goals. Like last night, there was two different sets of goals, very short periods of time. Those are killers. Uh, but we came back, so I'm pretty impressed with what I'm seeing. I feel like this, you know, like you said, the answer backs or the, you know, the 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 fast breaks and things. I'm noticing just generally speaking, you know, it doesn't feel to me like they're playing on their heels as much. Sometimes there's some little breakaway and, you know, it would be a one-on-one, two-on-one kind of situation we saw a lot last year. I'm noticing that, I mean, that can still happen, of course, can happen to any team, but I feel like there's always one or two guys that are able to catch up to the puck more this this year I've seen. Like I'm saying, uh-oh, here we go. And then some, whether it's Susie or one of the defensemen or Beneers, somebody gets a stick. Somebody seems to catch up to to the, the you know the other team breaking a little bit. I've I've seen that in a few games where I'm like, oh God, last year that would have been <laughs> that would have been a disaster. Nathan, you know, and we've got a goalie situation. Jimmy could chime in too, but Nathan, I'll go to you on the goalie situation. Uh, group had a good game, but obviously hurt uh, his groin on that one, I assume, and he's out for an indeterminate amount of time. So uh, Martin Jones, all of a sudden, this guy who, you know, a lot of people think maybe he's on his twilight uh, time of his of his career. At least a couple of games, not three. He's looked solid, and we got Joey up there. We saw Joey in one game. Thoughts on goalies right now? Well, Grubauer being week to week, like we were talking earlier, I think until we know that he's day to day, it could be a while. Not sure exactly how long that's going to be. We were talking before episode or two ago that it was groin related, or they're saying upper leg, lower body injury. It's definitely groin. So that can take quite a while to heal. Any small movements can re-aggravate that. And I actually know from experience and it's not fun. We've got Jones. Jones has played some fantastic goaltending. One in particular, that uh, that Pittsburgh game, that three to one win. I would say, in my opinion, since everybody knows I'm a huge buff for goaltending, hands down, probably one of the best, if not the best, goaltending performance since this team has started. Shutouts have happened, but just the way he flossed those saves was very impressive to me. Getting to Cord to take his place, playing the level of hockey that they had to play against the Flames, even though he gave up a couple of goals, you know, more goals than I would really count were his fault, he still was in it. He he didn't give up. He was still in it. Kept You could tell his composure. He didn't look rattled ever. Right, that was the and Calgary then, game. And, and that was a game there made so many saves. I mean, they... They won five to four. It could could have been a seven to five game. Yeah. And I mean, there were doubters and we kind of talked too. you know, how's this game going to go? But we uh, we lucked out, man. They they pulled through and they won it. But with Gibson, you know, I don't I don't know a ton about Christopher Gibson, who they brought up from uh, Coachella. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know too much about him, but uh, I'm a little worried for the next couple of games anyways, till we get word that Jones will be back, how this is going to go. I assume that Decord will definitely have the majority and go from there. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, 
just to get a little background on Christopher Gibson, because probably people are like, who's this guy? Been American, but born, born in Finland. Um, and he's been this sort of AHL lifer. I mean, he uh, he was uh, drafted by the LA Kings, so he was in their system for a while, ended up on the Islanders, uh, and would have a few cups of coffee with the Islanders. He was usually playing for Bridgeport in the AHL. Came up with the Islanders a little bit in uh, 2015, 2017, 2018. Uh, then ended up in the Lightning organization. Only played two games with them. Really, you know, kind of the same goal, you know, role he's has with the Seattle Kraken. He's kind of, you know, number four goalie in a way. Uh, but in certain situations, that could come up. Played only two games with Coachella, and then boom, here we need we need you up on the Kraken. So, how long that lasts? You know, who knows? Um, I think that game in Calgary, I suspect, because I like Joey, and I'm really pulling for him, and it's partially because he's a Boston kid, and he's got a really good personality, and, you know, he's been in a lot of interviews. We saw a little bit of him last year. Uh, he'd sometimes come up for some ugly mop-up duty, or he'd be thrown to the wolves and lose a big game. So it's ironic, even though we've seen him a few times, that was his first win as a Seattle crack, and he had won a, a game or two with uh, Ottawa but when he was in that organization. But I think that game will give him some really good confidence because he did make some hell of good saves, made the best. Yes. Team. So I'm hoping that gives him some confidence. I mean, hopefully Jonesy is going to be back sooner than later. I can't, you know, it's not going to be like a Grubauer situation. Uh, this, you know, the next couple of games we'll see. But uh, and I, I, I suspect Gibson's just up. This is just my thought. We'll see. But uh, he'll, he's just up for a, emergency goalie thing. But um I don't know. Yeah, it's it's unnerving having the goalie situation. I mean, who knows when Drieger's coming back? Who knows when Gruber? These guys who are our main guys. So it just seems like this weird patchwork of, you know, put anybody in that we got. Hence, the offense is going to have to score a lot of goals. And they have been. Yeah, offense is going to need to score some more goals. And you're right, they have been. But they need to put their foot on the gas and just keep looking forward. I'm a little concerned now for uh, the Firebirds if uh, two of their goalies are up here. <laughs> but uh, that's neither here nor there right now. Yeah, Coachella, a little bit Coachella more has the Callum defense. Booth. I was going to say, did Coachella has, uh, I'm not sure who they brought up. They brought up from uh, the Kansas City ECHL team, who's who that is. But uh, Callum Booth, who was in the Bruins organization for a little while, he's, uh, and we saw him, in the Co Jim and I saw him, uh, play a, a very decent game uh, for Coachella when they played up at uh, Climate Pledge. So he's he's starting down down there, I, I imagine. I was there. Um, you yeah. forget, I was there. <laughs> you were there as well, yes. But, yep. uh, yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I was kind of actually thinking Booth would come up ahead of Gibson, but I think maybe because Gibson's his age and overall experiences, you know, maybe warrants it. But, um, yeah, uh, it's unnerving, but... I don't know. Jim, any thoughts on you on the goalie fest situation? No, I just thought it was kind of an interesting stat when I heard that goaltender four and five are in Calgary uh, on the depth chart. So, you know, you don't think about those things because I, I I always thought of Joey as three, but then when we got Jones, he bounced down. That, but he played great. What did he face? 40 last night or something? And he made some yeah, I mean, big saves. It, I mean, was, it was a lot. Let me see here. His numbers weren't over the top, but you know what? He made the big save when he had to in a tough environment in that sea of red, he just stood on his head there for a bit, even though he pulled a four Oh, but yeah. Yeah. Um, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cal. So this was op almost opposite, arguably uh, to the Vancouver game, 40 shots for Calgary, uh, only 26 for the Kraken. Um, yeah. They made 
made Daniel Vladar look like an old cracking goalie, right? He gets, <laughs> it's just, you know, that the, they 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 really pounced on him. Forty shots on Joey Lennon for under the circumstances, you know. Hey, not, yeah, not to mention guy, we don't know we don't know how you know he's not a starter. He's not even the backup. He's you know number three goalie. Not to mention that they were blocking shots like crazy too. Sacrifices in the body, nineteen block shots. So they were peppering all yeah. night. And uh, it was a physical game. That's another thing I've been meaning to bring up here is we've been, uh, there's some good tangles that have been going on, some heavy physical games, you know, up into the 19, uh, 25, you know, hits, just some ugly physical hockey. Guys are producing still, like, I'm really impressed with what's going on with Swartzy right now. Yeah. Um, I always, I cringe a little bit whenever I see him by the boards because of his history. I really do. I mean, he's got five snipes right now. And he's looking good. He's one of the top guys, you know, him and uh, Geeky starting to step it up big time. And, of course, the the regulars are. I'm still kind of surprised Ebb's got a late start, and same with Gord. But uh, McCann's doing it, as usual. He's pretty hot pistol right now. So the, it's really doing well in that top six. And the PP's fantastic, of course. Uh, what, what, they're ranked six in the league right now in power play, so... That's pretty stellar, but I, yeah, you know, well, physical just, play, like you said, I mean, you know, Vancouver game was quite chippy and there were fights. Oh, you and geeky yeah, got it in the first one. Doubles. I mean, you were mentioning him. I mean, we got, we got to talk about, you know, more geeky, you know, it's funny, you know, month, months ago, we, we were all chuckling about this tweet of somebody we know put in, put in something about, uh, I gotta, I gotta read this thing here. This is from back last July. Frankly, I wasn't impressed with geeky the entire season. Curious to see what he, thinks he's worth this is around when they're getting re-signed and everything you know great shot when he has time good draw man other than that he's slow and soft time for a trade and then they assign geeky and you know he gets the little money and everything but you know that tweet that i mentioned somebody we know uh morgan geeky obviously reads twitter and uh and like that and uh g jim uh and uh we see uh you know him with a lot more physical play and uh, a little bit of resurgence and uh you know maybe maybe that tweet lit a fire under him eh i took full credit last night for his performance <laughs> i was I, trying to be i was trying to be coy i wanted you to say it i didn't want to say it was you i uh i, I admit i i was riding him pretty hard last year understandably you know, his, and I, yeah I, I mean his numbers were down but he was still getting all kinds of fluff from people about you know because he's got a great dry personality and everybody loves him and everybody overrides performance over personality a lot of fans do and i get it but i was you know i was voicing my my displeasure throughout this season my daughter's even got a busy but um <laughs> so when i posted that last year i could not believe that he liked the tweet i thought oh that's bizarre i had friends messaging me going dude he liked your tweet. And I'm like, what the hell? So because I can see um, a guy with like dry sense of humor. It's like, all right, I'm going to freak, freak this guy <laughs> out and like his tweet. <laughs> so, um, so last night I said, you know, I realized, I think he scored three of the last four games. He's been in the right place at the right time. He's got his shooting percentage back, which was something he, he's always been known for where he wasn't last year. Um, and I thought, you know what, this guy's hustling hard. His face off works still as good as it is. Um, I'm actually seeing some good hustle out of him, a little bit of board nudging going on, which is something he doesn't typically do. And so I I came back and I tweeted and I said, I'm taking full credit for Morgan Geeky's resurgence of solid play, consistency, and timely snipes. Well done, Morgan. And then uh, I put at the bottom, he liked this tweet and pointed down at the tweet that I did in the summer after the signing when he got an 85% raise. So 
way to go, Morgan. Uh, I hope you uh, saw that tweet. And actually, I hope you're listening. And uh, just keep going, buddy. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, good, good stuff for sure. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he has noticeably been all over the place where it's goals, assists, uh, uh, more physical play. He has definitely stepped it up. You know, you could say the coaching and everything, but maybe, maybe it's the fans. Maybe they give him a little extra, extra something. Well. Well, even the even the uh, radio and uh, TV guys are saying maybe he's playing for that, you know, because he was a he's a fourth liner technically, and, and you know, he's he signed that deal. It's a one year deal, and he's still got to prove himself. So, you know, he's playing playing hard. So we got you know the coaching staff. You know, we, there's, there's a lot of chatter. I mean, there always is chatter, but I mean, not so much in the first year because it's the first year, and you know, granted some some. People maybe don't know enough about hockey, having expectations of them being, you know, like on Vegas levels first year, which is, you know, not not uh, realistic, but it was realistic to expect them to do better. So toward the end of the season and the beginning of this season, a lot of people, whether it's even some pundits, whatever, critical of Hackstall. Um, I don't know. Look, proof's in the pudding. Let's see how the, how the scoreboard looks. Let's see, you know how the record looks uh, by December, January and beyond. Then we, you know, then we can kind of judge more, but we have been judging one thing. I don't know how many, and I, I have to mention this because we've all amongst ourselves noticed this. And it was funny, somebody, I don't know if it was a podcast or some, some crack and following thing or something. I, I was like, okay, it's not just us folks. If you have a listen, just do yourself a favor. If you haven't already uh, after a game, or any time, just just look up Dave Hackstall interviews, okay? Just to, you know, and you might think you know you're going to just hear the usual hockey coach spiel, pluses, minuses, and yeah, he goes into all of that. But I, and and Jim has proof. Jim Jim has studied this, and you you should explain in a second more. You've ex, you know studied this like a scientist discovers you know viruses in a test tube, man. I mean, you've it's it's incredible. How many times Dave Hackstall, your coach of the Seattle Kraken, says the words, you know, in his press conferences. It could be a five-minute press conference. It could be a half hour. It doesn't matter. Every sentence, and if not every, at least every other sentence, but sometimes every sentence, and sometimes in each sentence, more than once, says, you know. You know, I wish I could press play and play one. I, I probably should have, pre- but we, we can do that maybe in the in the future. But Jim, how, how many times did you count Dave Hackstall's your nose in his, see folks, when I always go, do the intro, I got to jump back. I always say, we might, you might, you know, we'll talk about things you might not hear on other Kraken podcasts. Here's, here's that one for today. Mr. You know. I mean, somebody's got to say something to this guy. What the hell? How many? How many did you count? Like 140, 150? Oh no! Shit! I got to tell you right now, it's a good thing I was muted while you brought that up because I was not expecting this, and I was laughing my head off. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay, so I don't know what it is, but um, I started noticing it right away when we hired the guy, uh, and I thought. Gosh, and he sure says that a lot. But I do that with a lot of things and a lot of people and catchphrases that bug me and what have you. It's just me. And I thought, God, he says a lot. And I even brought it up to Allison, my wife, and she started paying attention. And it was becoming a laughing matter in the house. <laughs> and so I actually started just counting 
and I remember it was one of the earlier training camp things or something. And it was one of the, it was actually one of the longer uh, audio and video bits. I think, I think it ran 11 minutes. Um, you know, when he, they come off the ice and stand behind the curtain. I think it was right around COVID times too. They still had the protocols in place. And I just started counting and I, I even verified it and backed it up and counted it again. It was so like 117. Uh, and it was worked out to one every 6.42 seconds or something. And I was blown away. So that was my benchmark. And, and then I started doing it, not every time, but whenever I had the time and sitting around going, okay, I'm going to get this one. This is only a two minute piece on YouTube, Seattle Kraken channel. And I hit it and sure enough, banging it out. And so, sometimes there was doubles and triples real quick succession. And then, and uh, it was just crazy. All. Oh God. I would write down the averages and everything. And uh, I just thought it was pretty funny. And uh, now I, I got other people paying attention. I, I think people have been paying attention, but now it's almost become a game, obviously a beer drinking game or a drinking game if you're into that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you totally caught me off guard with this. So I'm going with the flow right here, right now. But yeah, I do have that. I do. I will tell you this. I do have data written down on scratch pads and ch uh, checks and everything else. And with, with time and date, it's just something silly to do, but uh I jokingly said I got to find my grandpa's cow counter that I used to have in, in the attic somewhere that he was a, a farm and rancher and he had a cow counter, you know, much like the, the mechanical clickers. <laughs> I couldn't find it. So I actually went and got one the other day and I took it to work and I scribed hacks on one side and, you know, on the other, just, and I have it sitting there by the table for game time viewing and post game pressers. Yeah. I mean, I was looking for somebody posted somebody. I'm not finding it right now. Because we were thinking, maybe are we the only one that notices this? And somebody posted something that was hilarious. You know, you know, you know, you know. They were just doing this whole little kind of, you know, mini, you know, kind of memeish kind of uh, video thing. But this is where I guess we got to listen to Philadelphia fans. They had they had a lot of uh, thoughts of Hackstall. Somebody, I'm just looking on YouTube right now. Four years ago, somebody posted, uh, you know, episode number <laughs> one, Dave Hackstall. Fill it up your Flyers coach says, uh, you know, a few times in a post-game interview. And and so somebody in Philly, this guy, Paul Granice, I'm going to have to listen to this later. We can put it on right now, but uh, in 22 seconds, uh, apparently he he got in on this. So uh, it's a thing, folks. You know, you know, you know, it's, it's day hey, back. Hey, listen, at a minimum, you can build a good beer drinking out of it and probably get shit faced pretty quick, so... Oh my God! That's well. That's like the opportunity game, right? The uh, the the oh. you know the the, the, the oh. opportunity game of our our color commentators. That'll be in our next episode. Something you won't hear on Arrow Cracking Podcast. <laughs> All right. One last thing on the team, just very briefly. I know because it's something we brought up to. Um, I don't know if there's any news on anything you guys have heard. There also still is the criticism to some degrees, or some just people just perplexed. Shane Wright, uh, number of healthy scratches at this point, or if he does get in a game, it's it's what six to seven minutes, something like that. Sorry, I heard a you know story his grandparents coming to see him in a game and he, he ended up playing. Not that Paxtall and the team has to put him in because the grandparents are there, but you know, it's sorry, you know, uh, but you know the um, a little surprising at this point and. Jim, you and I are talking about it. Nathan Chiman, if you want, uh, you know, uh, Ron Francis kind of put himself in a corner. He was, he was touting, here we have Shane Wright, and we're going to have him on the NHL team. We're not going to have him in the junior league team. Well, well, you just had him for 
healthy scratches in the center of the bench. What? Yeah. Our last episode, we kind of hit on this pretty hard with Mike too from Sasquatch NHL. He had some yeah, but in five, six well. games, it's still the same kind of. So, and I did, I did have a little layout of, you know, what are you going to do? Is it going to be the, you're going to play, are you going to sit for three, four play and then get up to game 45, 46 and you've earned your 10, your nine games. And okay. So now what you're just going to sit on the bench or are you going to play the rest of the season out? We keep getting the, the fluff from, well, actually we don't, there's a lot of, and Nathan was talking about this side we're not getting a full answer. Uh, it's just very vague stuff. Who, who is, I think the, I think he's in a pickle. I think Ronnie's in a pickle on this. I think he made a commitment on what he's going to do. Maybe it didn't quite go the way he wanted to. You know, Jeff Baker wrote something in the Times about this, and Allison Lucan's written a piece for the team about it. And I hear these things, but there's really, you know, they're just general speculation uh, articles, it seems to be, because they're teaching them the system. They're teaching them the face-offs and everything. By the way, our team is just brutal on face-offs. That's the one thing. Ooh, that still needs way improvement. It, oh, my God. It's, that actu- terrible. it's actually worse than last year by about 8 9%. So yeah. that's really weird. So, okay, let's just say they're doing that. Let's say they're working with them on drills and this and that. And I, I remember I tweeted a while back. I think it's my pinned tweet, actually. Something about, you mean, so you got his eyes up in the booth, basically being video, video analysis to watch and learn this system. Because that's what you're doing with your eyes. You're not playing. You're just looking down and looking at the system that you're being coached. And then you're working on that in practice and ice time. He's getting a lot of one-on-one. Okay, let's say they're doing that. That's fine. But we all know he needs to play. There's there's a lot of general consensus out there that he just needs to play. But it's part of that logjam crap that we've been talking about for this since the start of the year. So I don't know what's going on. I'm bummed. I want to see him play. Uh, but then there's guys like Sprong that are hot pistols right now in a way, scoring big goals, timely goals, and he was a PTO. We didn't think he was going to be on this club. So there you go. And then Geeky stepping it up. So he is in a pickle, bona fide pickle, man. So I don't know what's going to go on. I'd just like to see. I have a feeling it's going to go like that plan I was talking a couple of weeks ago. Three, four games, hit play. Three, four games, hit play. Hit the halfway mark. There isn't, by the way, there is a, a European option they're talking about. Not the team, but uh, other pundits are talking about. So who knows? I'm just frustrated. What, playing in Europe? What do you mean? Yeah, I heard something about a European option. Uh, you know, time. Well, why would why would why would a European option be ahead of Coachella? Playing with men. Uh, That's it. Just playing with men, like Slavkowski did. Yeah. Uh, before the you know World Championships type stuff, Olympic type stuff, international play basically. I don't know. I just heard that rumor recently, but people could be creating that stuff. I don't know. All I know well, is, you know, um, go ahead. No, when we were talking earlier and I had mentioned that I read, I don't remember where I read it, but it said that some reasons why he hasn't been playing as much as we'd like was his composure on and off the ice. And I think we were all in agreement that that's complete BS. I don't know what caliber he needs to be at time-wise on the ice but he needs to be on the ice playing hockey whether it's up here or it's down at Coachella that kid needs to be playing sitting up there in that booth learning the system that we all know at times can be complete poo-poo he's not going to be good for anybody if he's not physically playing and working through all of the things that he needs to work through I think we're all in agreement to that the people listening want to see him play I hope somebody hears this episode and says, you know what? Damn it, these guys are right. Let's give them 12 minutes, 13 minutes, and see what happens. 
they got to give them some damn time because this is getting ridiculous. And it's going to get to the point where you are going to start seeing his composure off the ice change. And it's going to be your fault. And you need to do something about it. You need to do something about it now because there are a lot of Shane Wright jerseys out there and a lot of chit chat. And it's not going to go well. It's not going to be a good thing if he's not out on that ice learning how to play hockey at this level. It's just not going to be a good situation. Amen. All right. Well, we'll see. Hopefully this improves. We're going to see Shane more. Um, Nathan, while I got you, let's turn tables before we get to our interviews. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit or wanted you to talk a little bit about a contest we have, some getting a little more interaction with our listeners. Tell us about it. Yes, yes. Kraken fans, do you like jerseys? Do you like the new retro jersey? If you do, we're going to have one for you. What we need from you is when this episode, when you listen to it, you're going to hear the word Iron Man. I just said it, and I'm going to say it again later. When we post it, I want you to retweet it, or on Facebook or Instagram, I want you to like, tag a friend, and comment, and you're, boom, you're automatically entered. And then on our next episode, we will announce the winner. We will get in contact with you. We will get your size. We will uh, we'll get that jersey to you as soon as we can. That's all you have to do, and we do that because we want to show our appreciation for our listeners and we're going to be doing a few giveaways this year, but we figure now was a good time to uh, get get one out now that these jerseys are getting released here soon. So one can be yours. So stay tuned. Awesome. Awesome opportunity, folks. So Ironman, remember that. All right. So uh, keep that in mind, folks. Let's get to our uh, our guest, a special guest uh, recorded another time. So we're going to play this for you um, with Piper Shaw. For those of you who aren't familiar with Piper Shaw, she is a broadcaster at Root Sports Northwest. She follows and covers the Seattle Kraken. She's sort of side ice reporter, doing uh, in-between period interviews. She also does uh, a program with Allison Lucan on the, on the uh, Seattle Kraken on Root Sports. Uh, does some covering of Seattle Storm and... Uh, Per her uh, Twitter page, she is a lover of punk rock, hockey, and vegetables. She's also a Minnesota native and a super cool gal. Uh, Jim and I had a nice chat with her recently, uh, talking about all sorts of things, her background, and the whole uh, how she fits into the whole cracking world. So here it is, our chat with Piper Shaw. Sabrina, I would never, ever get between you. So come on, let me come. Piper Shaw from Root Sports. Thanks so much for taking some time to talk with us. I'm here with Jim and uh, Chris here with Piper. And uh, thanks thanks for making time. Uh, you must be very busy right now because the season's going to launch any second now. I mean, the regular season, that is. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely very busy. And for us folks at Root Sports, it's particularly busy with the Mariners playing some of the best baseball of the last 21 years. So that's really exciting. But um, it also definitely has added to the chaos a little bit with Kraken season starting. I know. Actually, I guess one of the Mariners games, well, I guess game three is going to be on Kraken home opener day. We're all hoping that that's an early thing so we don't have to be looking at our phones during the Kraken game. I'm not 100% sure how that programming works out. Um, I'm sure they'll, fig they'll figure something out, out though. They have um, 
Sports Plus as well. So I'm I'm not involved in programming. I just show up where I need. Come to on, be Piper, tell them that. Straighten this out. I know, uh, I know. You've been there new, but over time you'll you'll get your weight around it to, for those scheduling needs. Uh, but yeah, we'll hope it's an exciting time. Uh, Hockey season starting, obviously with the Mariners, it's 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 super exciting. So that's great. But we'll focus here on on hockey, of course. And uh, well, one thing I wanted to start with Piper, if you if you're comfortable, just uh, tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from originally, and uh, and 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 the roots of no pun intended here, the roots of Piper Shaw. Where you know where did that all start? Yeah, so I'm originally from St. Cloud, Minnesota, which is not known for much other than having a D1 hockey team. It's central Minnesota. Um, so I was born and raised going to Husky hockey games. My best friend, I remember when we were in like sixth or seventh grade, we were at a Husky hockey game and she was like, my dream job is to be an ice girl like to be a Husky hockey ice girl like that, just to give you a sense of like the town environment, like this college hockey team is like everything. And, um, you know, if you could ever make a track up to the city or down to the cities rather to go to a wild game, like, you know, that was, that was a big evening for your family. So anyways, I'm just St. Cloud's not like a super, super small town, but it's not, you know, some kind of metropolitan Mecca of culture by any means. Yeah, kind <laughs> so. of a typical college town, right? Uh, I wouldn't even say because after so well so after college I went to Madison Wisconsin and I would say Madison Wisconsin is like the epitome of an amazing college town so I would certainly never qualify St. Cloud to be a decent college town compared to Madison no disrespect you know everybody has a little bit of uh I don't want to say distaste for where they grew up but you know what I'm saying like it's maybe some limitations okay yeah for sure so anyways so um I actually went to college early so I started college at St. Cloud State when I was 16 and partially that makes it sound really impressive, but I have an August birthday. So like I already was young, if that makes sense. Uh, but I just didn't really jive in high school. So I really wanted to get out of it and I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to go into broadcasting and I also knew that I was going to be paying for my college myself. So if I could go early and for free, I needed to capitalize on those things. And so I did. Unfortunately, that put me in a predicament where I was ready to graduate college when I was like 19 and a half. And so I was like, okay, well, nobody's going to hire me to be on air, even in news at 19, like not exactly a credible voice, but um, I ended up sticking around. I got two majors and uh, a minor, not a five minute major, but a, you know, a degree. And um, I basically waited for my now husband to graduate who was well behind me he was younger than me so anyways he ended up getting a major and a minor while working a full-time job in two years and we uh got out of there we went to madison where i had my first job at um, nbc 15 which is a local television station there um and i worked there for about 10 months when I got an opportunity and a call that Fox Sports Wisconsin, which is now Bally Sports, of course, but they were looking for um, a new producer and reporter for their Badger hockey broadcasts. And they knew that I liked hockey and that I had worked, you know, in college hockey before. Um, and the part, the person who was hiring me had seen me on TV and thought I was good and we had a mutual connection. So anyways, he was like, would you want to do this? And I really wanted to quit my job in local news. So I was like, hell yes, yes, I would like to do this. 
And um, then they ended up hiring me full time. So basically what I mostly did was covered Wisconsin hockey. Like that was the only team that I covered um, like the full season, but I also covered a lot of basketball at Marquette, uh, women's and men's volleyball at Marquette, basically anything for the big East network that wasn't, that was in Milwaukee because they didn't want to fly people from New York for those broadcasts. So I did like cross country. I just did whatever. And then I did all of the high school sports, which Fox sports, Wisconsin put all of them, all of their tournaments, regardless of division or whatever on TV, on full crude broadcasts. So I hosted a lot of football and did a lot of reporting for that. Um, yeah, but then also not to make a long story even longer, but part of what I did for um, Badger Hockey as well was producing and writing and hosting entertainment segments that we ran during intermission because we didn't have a pre and post game and an intermission show like you do at a pro level. So basically I filled the intermissions. And so during the week I'd be shooting content with the team, like doing whatever, whatever. So now in my role with the Kraken, part of my job is that I produce and I host our weekly magazine show at Root Sports inside Kraken Hockey, which is basically just a really big expansion on what I was doing before, where now I have a show every week that I fully write and produce and plan the content for and set up the shoots for and go to the shoots and do all the stuff um, on top of games. So, yeah. Well, just to back up a little bit, I was interesting because a lot of college students don't know what, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they, you know, they're like, no, and they change their majors. They're not sure. And maybe even they change their mind after graduation. You said something earlier. It sounded like you knew like when you graduated high school, I'm in broadcasting and sports broadcasting, right? So you just, just, that was something that since you were very young, you were really into? Well, as those who have really intensely followed my life know, I had a bit of an odd and difficult childhood and I was not allowed to be in sports. I wasn't really allowed to participate in anything that I had to consistently show up to. Um, but so the only activity that I really was in in high school was speech and debate because you didn't have to go every single day. So I could just go when I knew that I had a friend that was going who would hang out with me or bring me home and whatever, whatever. So I was very good at speech and debate. Uh, and I loved public speaking. I loved writing. I loved researching. I'm like a kind of a nerd. So we were writing speeches on politics and jellyfish and like writing like rhetorical analysis and stuff like that. Like I loved that, but we also were doing theater and, you know, I went to the national tournament with the driving Miss Daisy duo, whatever. And I did a whole piece on Courtney Love, but I also did an informative speech on socks and like, anyways. So I knew I was like, okay, what can I do where I am speaking, writing, listening to people, telling stories, like doing interviews, like that's what I wanted to do. So I was like, okay, what do I do? Okay, broadcasting, like, there you go. Um, and I originally, like I said, I started in news. I was very interested in doing hockey broadcasting specifically, but in Minnesota, as you might imagine, uh, hockey is extremely competitive and everybody wants to do hockey. And I did not come from a place where I was particularly interested in clawing, fighting, scratching for every single opportunity when I was a teenager against like adults. Like it was just wasn't, it wasn't going to work out for me. And I wasn't interested in doing that, especially because I was more interested in doing the work than doing it in that lane. So I was okay with like, okay, I'm 20 years old when I'm graduating college. I am just fine going into market 80 for my first TV job. Like 
Most people started like 200. So I already felt like I'd won, even though it wasn't sports, if that makes sense. But also, even though I covered a lot of other sports and I do like other sports, like I really only wanted to cover hockey. Like I have, and I do, and I like basketball quite a bit. I covered the storm this summer and I have covered a decent amount of basketball, but I wasn't, I was like, well, I really only want to cover hockey. So I didn't really want to just go take any random sports reporter job or sports writer job because that wasn't quite kind of in line with what I was trying to do, if that makes sense. Now, now I take it because your job, though, you must have gotten over the, you know, the the phobia or whatever it was where you couldn't, you know, show up to things every day. Yeah, obviously, you have to do that now. You got, you got over that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't a phobia. Is that my parents wouldn't, they, I didn't have very good parents or a family oh, really. So they couldn't drive me anywhere. They, nobody like necessarily was making sure I even went to school and I didn't have anybody that would like pay for activity fees for me or make sure I got to a game or, you know what I'm saying? So it was more of that, which is why I couldn't be in sports. I but also my, my mother and my stepfather also believe that sports are a complete waste of time and something that should not even exist so they were even if they were involved they never would have had me in them anyway so well and i you know i (laughs) i understand you know i mean you know i had an obsession with music and a lot of people are like oh what you know wasting the time with that and everything i've had a hell of a career in that so i i know how you feel on that you know so um but uh well because you mentioned i was going the thing i was going to ask but you kind of touched on it earlier so you did have a you didn't play sports. You haven't really participated much, if at all. I did when I was a kid, um, when I was still allowed to be in them before my family life kind of eroded further. I was in gymnastics and I actually was a really, really good gymnast. And I took tennis lessons for many years. I did do my entire life. I did swimming in the form of swimming lessons until it turned into lifeguard training because we were all required to for whatever reason by my family. So uh, I was really good at swimming. So I, I did sports, but I didn't do them through school. So I never did like competitive sports, if that makes sense. And like in Minnesota, my three best friends growing up all had hockey rinks in their backyard because that's a normal thing that people have in Minnesota. So like I didn't play competitive hockey, but we would go out after Friday night football games we would all just go to Tatum's backyard and play boot hockey. Like that's just like what people do. (laughs) So I would say I was more just like a bystander in the culture and the environment that I existed in, but I did not play any sports in high school competitively because of the nature of my life. I hear you. Well, then then to get into one other thing you were mentioning, uh, what you're working on now, it sounds like, you know, because you've been now with Root for a little over a year now. Is that right? Yeah. So I moved here. Um, like June 30th or July 1st or something of 2021. Okay. Just a few weeks before the season started or the. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, I had to be here in time for the expansion draft. And, um, and so in, is your role kind of expanded though, over time, because we've saw you a little bit, I, I don't know, maybe it's just like a drop. I feel like I, I see you on TV more lately. Yeah. So, well, when I first got here, there was multiple things. There was with any new organization and a network, you know, taking on a new team, there was just some question marks of how they wanted to use all of the pieces that they had gathered. 
on in a network sense, but also on a team sense. I mean, even with the hockey and the players on the ice, you know, they're like, okay, we got all these guys. Like now, how are we, you know, what are we doing with them? How are we using them? And also the network and the team had to figure out too, what do they need more of? What do they need less of? Who do they want in which roles? You know, just all these things. So when I first came here, there was a bit of a question of if I was going to work for the team or if I was going to work for the network and if I was going to be do doing like, arena hosting for the home games for the team and then traveling for the network reporting on the road like there was a bit of a split conversation but I mean I had only ever worked in broadcasting previously I only really wanted to work in broadcasting but I was thrilled that the team was interested in having me you know do the arena hosting and I got to do a couple games but ultimately it was decided that I would settle in onto the network side and in the broadcasting side. So anyways, yes, to long-winded answer again, to answer your question. Yes, I am doing more and more and more last year. There was just like, okay, now we're just figuring out how we're going to do this really quickly. And now we're starting to kind of settle the pieces in a little bit more. Interesting. You mentioned about arena hosting and uh, Jim, I'll get to you in a second. I get some questions. Um, the uh, what arena hosting is, because I was looking on online, I found something you did something with the Milwaukee Brewers. You were doing like some sort of hosting. What what, what did that entail? Because yeah, that didn't so, sound like so broadcasting. Same thing. However, ironically, so when I was in Wisconsin, because I was a a piece of the Fox sports, Wisconsin broadcast family, but I wasn't doing their pro stuff. I was always kind of the like on call backup. If something were to happen to like Sophia Minert, who's the Brewers reporter who I knew. And she had basically had my job at the time before I had it. So like she, I wouldn't say she had a personal investment in me, but she was very much aware of me. And then I was kind of the new her, if that makes sense. Um, but anyways, so she had recommended me when they were looking for a new in arena host because I already was kind of slightly tied into this and they hired me and then the pandemic hit and they just like kept me on and they're like, well, maybe we're going to do digital stuff because nobody really knew what was going to happen. And then I got the job in Seattle and I left. So I never even really did a game like I went and I did all these trainings and we did a bunch of screen tests. Um, and we did a bunch of like running through the little games that they play and meeting all the people and doing all the HR on onboarding. And then I sat, you know, the whole summer and they're like, we don't think we're going to get any bodies in a ballpark anytime soon. But anyways, yeah. So I never even got to do a baseball game. Now oh, I've done some God. hockey games, but in arena hosting is very different than broadcasting. And I wouldn't say it's my preferred on-camera activity but mostly that's because I my approach to this job was always because I wanted to be like writing and sharing information and like doing interviews not necessarily like hyping up a crowd and I think I do a lot better just like delivering information to a camera rather than this whole body you know experience like when you're a host it's it's not just a voice and information into a camera it's a whole entertainment show if that makes sense so anyways there there's your answer on that right so on. yeah technically i worked for the milwaukee brewers for over a year before okay but not yeah technically okay but i'm I curious about that since you brought it brought up hosting i i was compelled yeah. by it. hi piper uh i just wanted to say i've i've yelled from a distance respectfully when you were in uh, section 17 on the platform uh there i know you've gathered there every once in a while i don't see you there too often 
but I, and I know you've got a job to do, but I've waved and said, hi, and uh, we sit in 16. So we'll probably see you, you know, sometime down the road. Um, Oh yeah. Jim and I share it with two others. We share season tickets. So we go to a lot of games, not as many as you do, but close. Well, I was going to say, I mean, now I pretty much sit just right outside the locker room. Like the whole game is where they have me now. But last year, when we had to go into phases of social distancing, oh, yeah. that's where they would put us. So right, right. That's where we would be there. So hopefully I don't have to be there this year. <laughs> I, I agree. don't want to see your lovely faces, but <laughs> it's it's so much better this year. Uh, I had a couple of questions going back to your uh college days at St. Cloud. Uh so you were you were going to school. Were you uh, attending a lot of the games, uh the D1 games? Um, yeah, definitely. I would say though. Well, so St. Cloud State has a program. I don't know exactly how it works now, but for at least like a decade, they had a partnership with Fox Sports North where all Husky hockey games went on Fox Sports North. Like they were fully student produced, which is why St. Cloud State is like kind of known around the country for specifically hockey broadcasting, but live game production because they were student producers, student directors, student replay, student hosts, student everything. They were on like a full Fox broadcast, if that makes sense. So anyways, all home games were student produced. So when I wasn't helping out with that, I would usually go and have no friends. And there's like, if you have seen the three pictures of my husband that exist online, they're all of him working Husky hockey games, (laughs) operating a camera or like installing some cables or whatever. Um, But anyway, so yes, I I went to the games and if I wasn't at them, then I was probably working them or watching them from a seat in the control room eating, you know, college cafeteria food. Right. (laughs) And then uh, after, well, and there's a couple cracking that rolled through there. Will Borgen. Yeah, Uh, I went to college with Will Borgen. Yeah. uh, He was there when I was there. (laughs) Exactly. And then I heard you giving giving a plug to, is it Jimmy Schultz? Who is it? Jimmy Schultz? Yeah. Jimmy Schultz was the captain for some of the years when I was in college there. Right. Now, will he be down at Coachella still? Is that what's going on? Yes. Okay, good. They just when they just put a bunch of folks on waivers the other right, day right. to it with the intention to send them to Coachella. He was one of them and he cleared waivers. So I believe. Okay. So. And then uh, scooting ahead to the Wisconsin Badgers hockey uh, rinkside reporter, I guess, is that what you were doing for the most part there? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, how close how big a deal, how big a step was that for you in your, in your early young career to get going? Was that a nice launch pad for the Seattle situation? Yes, it was huge. And it was also huge because it was legit network broadcasts, almost in the same way that the ones at St. Cloud were on Fox, except for these were completely professional led. Um, But it has been interesting when I have told people who don't understand the hockey culture and specifically the college hockey culture of Minnesota and it, that transcends to Wisconsin, specifically the University of Wisconsin, because of the history of that D1 team. Right, but right. like those those teams are as big as college football is to people in the rest of the country, to people in Minnesota and Wisconsin. So, yeah. So, yes, that was my job. And that was a legitimate full time broadcasting position. It wasn't like I wasn't a college student working on a college broadcast. It was yeah. like legitimately my job and was important to the school and they were paying for it you know yeah Uh, so yeah yeah that's the impression i got looking at some of the research on that now you know that's a big time program um a lot of people have rolled through there you know badger bob the whole deal um now did 
did you did you have many uh, conversations with Tony Granado or or you know that whole situation and Cami maybe even? Yeah. Um, so, oh, you finished. No, no, I, I, I was just wondering because you know you were right in the middle of all that, and that's a big program, and Tony's pretty legendary there. So, uh, go ahead and talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, I worked with Tony basically every day, and I have to say, Tony was always one of the I don't want to say a defender because nobody was like against me, but always one of like my biggest like cheerleaders in a way, because he was very invested in getting more content about his team out there and getting better content. You know, we would sit him and my boss who his name's Tim, I course, but we would sit in meetings, just the three of us and like think of content. He'd be like, well, what if we could do this? We could tape this right after the show. And maybe we could get that on NHL network. Cause they're always asking me if we have any stuff or doing interviews on Sunday mornings. Cause they're like, they were very helpful and involved. Anytime I wanted to do an interview, he was like, we're, he would always made sure that it happened. And he always addressed me by my name, which some that sometimes that maybe doesn't seem like a big deal. And I was there for like several years and I was the only person, you know, it's not like they have this big media team that is like constantly in or out. Right. So right. it's not like they're dealing with a lot anyways, but yes, Tony Granato was absolutely amazing to work with. Always kind, always professional, very authentic. Um, I actually never met cammy when i was there i never like met her like introduced myself to her but what's funny is when i was at the expansion draft i went up to her and i was just like hi cammy and she goes you work for my brother don't you and i, <laughs> I didn't work for tony obviously but she was like i know you and she like knew who i was and she took a selfie with me and she sent it to tony she's like look who i found that's fantastic <laughs> kind of trolling that's... him from the expansion draft but yeah and then also again, not to run on and run on, but I feel very lucky that the years that I was at Wisconsin were some of, some of the best prospects and now players in the NHL totally. uh, came through that program. When I was there, like I was, I was the reporter when Cole Caulfield was drafted and Keandre Miller was drafted and Dylan Holloway was drafted, like all these, you know, now really big players in the league and even like even with the Kraken like Maddie Beneers I watched him play when I was still there I was aware of him I knew he was in US NTDP pro in in the US National Team Development Program because a lot of the Wisconsin guys were even Trevor Zegris like so I had already been watching these guys long before they had been drafted and into the players that they are today and that is that is really cool to me. Like when I, I, at a cracking game last year, I saw Keandre Miller when the Rangers were in town and he stopped. He's like, Piper, what are you doing here? I was like, <laughs> I work here now. He's like, Oh my God, you work here. Now? Like, That's so it's really, it's really cool that those particular years that I was there were some of the best now future Wisconsin products and players in the NHL these days. For sure. And I can relate to that with the whole WHL scene over here, seeing all the, the, the kids roll through and the same deal all the draft picks and so on and so forth. Um, I just want to add some more stuff about your inside Kraken hockey that I watch weekly, whether it's a fresh episode or a rerun. I don't care. Oh, it's fan the production is top level. Is that you on the production? So I write everything. I pick all of the content and then obviously I voice all the content and I front all the content. And then I have an editor who is amazing. So it's, it's pretty much just me and my editor. His name is Carl Severson and he is my number one homie because he deals with all of 
everything that's going on. And we're like, okay, we're not going to have that. We're going to have this. And especially when I'm on the road and I'm recording a voiceover in a hotel room closet to send to him before the show, you know, it's just like, he is amazing, but he is, um, the reason that the show looks as fun and flashy is because of his editing and his talent there. Well, I want to say it's a great production and you guys are doing the perfect balance of, you know, new fan experienced fan, what have you, you're selling it perfectly. And, um, I just love the features. One of the, my favorite features on it is, uh, I don't know if you've done any tapings yet this year is the, well, I don't, what do you call it? The two minute penalty box oh, thing. Minute minor. Yeah. yeah. I could not, I was doing all kinds of research, trying to find the name of that little segment. I couldn't find it, but anyway, that's my favorite because I don't care how many times I've seen uh, Susie's piece or whoever's I stop in my tracks every time and just listen to it. And so do my family members. So it, well, that's good to know. we're shooting more tomorrow. Oh, I can't wait. Cause I actually love them. I mean, to the point where I, I want to do one with you that instead of calling it two minutes, I want to call it or 30 seconds with a split penalty kill between periods, because it's only about 30 seconds of questions. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. All right. Favorite color. Uh, blue. I knew you were going to say that for some reason. Uh, food. Mm, favorite food. I don't know. I'm going to go like crab. Oh, that's okay. Pacific Northwest. Uh, I think I'm going to know this answer. Music genre. Mm, alternative, pop punk, punk. Punk. I knew it. <laughs> I did. Exotic sport car or trick SUV? I'd probably go sports car. Oh, surprising. I don't like big cars. Most of the guys on the club answer the trick SUV, I notice. Yeah, they do. And yeah. Already drive one, so that's why they're saying that. <laughs> now, exactly. And here's one I robbed from the guys on a different segment. Uh, most likely to forget on a road trip. I think I'm most likely to forget on a road trip. Probably my curling iron. I actually just forgot it in Vancouver last week. So. Okay. Okay. Last last question. Favorite coffee drink. It depends what I need and what I'm doing that day, but I'm gonna just say. An Americano with some oat milk. Okay. That's good enough. That was about a 45 second PK. Exactly. Yes. Fun it around there. Because, you know, Piper, you probably haven't had to answer those questions. No, I'm not used to answering questions. Right. I know. I appreciate it. A lot of people, a lot of media people don't want to be interviewed. They're doing the interviewing. So we appreciate you doing that. Well, and to as a little segue, because we're just talking about players, you know, I mean, obviously you're having a ton of interaction with players. I'm just curious, like, at least so far, is there, is anybody, I mean, it seems like they're all good guys, but I mean, is there anybody on the team who's a particularly fun to interview or, or, you know, somebody, anybody sort of stand out, like this is going to be a a fun conversation or interesting one. For sure. Yeah. First of all, Everybody that I have interacted on with with on the Kraken are all awesome, which is all of them. They have all been very, very gracious and kind. But uh, Drieger and Decord are both just media darlings. Like, they really are. <laughs> They're both not only great interviews, but they also um, are notably good people and not that uh, the other players are as well, but just how much they're willing to share and like open up and just be comfortable. Um, is noteworthy. I love it. 
I like Joey a lot. I'm kind of pulling for him for a lot of reasons. Some of the reasons you mentioned, because I kind of got that vibe from him and I've seen, you know, play good hockey and, and all, and, and and I'm cheering for him, but I'm also a, a New Englander, a fellow, uh, I'm from the Boston area. So Joey, Donato and Maddie, I got a little more soft spot for those guys. I can't help it. I got a shout out Grubauer too. I can't just like leave him out of the equation because he's also awesome. And he's very funny to shoot like promos with because every time I've given him like a promo, I'm like, okay, just read this line. He just, he's like, I got it. Like so confident and then like stumbles his way through and he's like, okay, let's do it again. Like he just like turns it into a whole thing. It's awesome though. He's making it his own. Yeah, you're having fun with them. That's great. Well, let's talk a little bit about what your thoughts are about the team. I mean, la- last year, last year a lot of pundits and fans, while you know everybody was super psyched to have a have a team and it was exciting, you know, and I don't think expectations except for a few people that didn't didn't have any understanding, you know, who thought, oh, this is going to be just like Vegas, you know. But I think you know nobody had that kind of expectation for them. But they, there were a lot of people thought that. Well, maybe they underachieved to some degree last year. So I'm wondering with all the moves and, and you know, the, the team made and some new players that we've got and, uh, you know, also having a year under their belt, you know, getting some more chemistry, hopefully. I'm just wondering, based on all that, what are your expectations for the team this year? Well, first, like you mentioned, you know, I think a lot of people are comparing the Kraken to Vegas, but I think it's important to remember that Vegas is like the exception to the rule. I mean, when you look at teams like the blue jackets and the, even the Minnesota wild, like nothing just popped off for them. Right. Oh yeah. Historically like Kraken. Yeah. Historically the yeah, Kraken like, were in, right in the middle the of there. Yeah. Of the new yeah I think it's always good to like push that reminder, you know, but I think that the moves that Ron Francis made this summer were great moves. I mean, getting Oliver Bjorkstrand in that trade, that's exactly what, why he said he was making those trades at free agency last year. Um, or rather at the, at the deadline last year to get all of those picks. And it was like, oh my gosh, the Seattle Kraken of like every pick for the next, you know, four years. But that's exactly what he was doing was building up that draft capital so that when somebody like Oliver Bjorkstrand became available, he had plenty to spare Um, versus you look at something like, um, you know, the Canucks right now, they have barely any prospects available to them anymore because they've traded so many of them away right now. So anyways, I think he absolutely knew what he was doing and he made some great moves over the summer. I think Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand are fabulous additions to the forward group. Um, I think Justin Schultz is going to likely be a big part of those special teams. Uh, We've already seen him in the preseason playing a bunch. That's kind of the message that it seems the intention from the coaching staff and management is, is that was part of why they wanted him here. So, um, you know, looking forward to seeing maybe some different looks there. Um, But then also Maddie Veneers and Shane Wright, really exciting. Uh, I think Maddie obviously has dazzled in the preseason, but, Again, we also try to remember to like remind folks too, that it's like, they're also teenagers. So consistency may be something that we're talking about a lot and looking at with these guys, they're not used to playing that many games. You know, when Maddie's coming from playing a college schedule where you play two games a week, back to back against the same team, it's a little bit different, you know? So I have nothing but uh, complete optimism about how all of these new pieces will perform of course but it's also good I think to be realistic and uh keep in mind some of the constraints that we're working within 
Uh, Piper, which brings me to this, uh, your interview with Maddie last year at Michigan, that was pretty cool. That was that planned out on a road trip. I can't remember. Was that with a road trip to the Midwest or was yeah, that just so a special? We had, we had an off day between um, a Sabres game and a Red Wings game. Okay. So the team, we went to Detroit with the off day. So we were, instead of just sitting around in the hotel, we contacted Michigan and we said, Hey, can we come on down? And it helps because I've met, well, now Mel Pearson is no longer there, but um, because I had been in Wisconsin hockey, I'm like, Oh, Mel Pearson. Hey, can we come? And they were more than accommodating. So that was awesome. And yeah, he was great. And it was really fortunate that we could do that interview the way that we did it given COVID and all of the things like at the time. So um, yeah, it was really cool. And we got so much time with him, which is uncommon to get, whether they're a college player or a pro player. I mean, I think we had like five hours with him. We had a mic on ice, like so much time. So that was really awesome to get that. Um, and to also, even for me as a reporter to like make the relationship before he came to Seattle. Right. I was noticing that. And just to be able to do it on the big blue campus. And it, that was just a nice piece, you know? Yeah. I cool. thank you. I agree. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, Let's uh, one last thing uh, to talk about uh, actually has nothing to do with hockey, but there's another side of you. And I saw you perform. What was uh, what was the name of the brewery? Bad, Bad Jimmy's. You got a music side to you. You're, you're singing, songwriting. You're in a band. Tell, tell us a little bit about this. This the side light of yours. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming. Um, in hindsight, when I watched the videos back, I was like, I was perhaps a little bit ill prepared for uh, that performance, but that's okay. You're going to be hard um, on yourself. Or we thought you were fine. No worries. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I've been writing music for much of my life. So my dad was a musician when I was growing up. And uh, so my parents have been divorced since I was five. And it, when I just because I mentioned this earlier on about my weird family situation, my dad and my stepmom are amazing. And in fact, they're like superhuman people, truly. So anyways, I grew up going to my dad's shows in Minneapolis. Like every weekend it was like, pack the car up. We're going down to the show, to the kitty cat club, where if you're from Minnesota, you know what that is. Like, it's just like going to the venues, watching my dad with his eyeliner on like rocking out same backstage with my earplugs like so I was just around music we were going to ba band practice and I was a drummer first when I was a kid and then when I went to middle school they I had to be the drummer because if you have a 12 year old who can actually play the drums you don't have really another option but I also was in choir and then I started to find the drums very limiting because I wanted to write music and it's if you don't know how to read sheet music or play chords or play notes it's kind of hard like you don't learn music theory in the same way when you play the drums or at least I wasn't when I was a child so anyways I picked up a guitar and all I really wanted to do was learn chords so that I could write music and that's pretty much all I did and now I just write music all the time um and yeah, I've been releasing some music. I've been working with some different producers and stuff. I, I used to self-produce quite a bit, but I found that most of the time, once I would send my self-produced tracks to mix engineers, they're like, well, I'm just going to recreate this bit. Or I'm just going to redo this bit. And it would sound way better. And so now I'm kind of at the point where I know that I like to write music and write stories to music a lot more than I like to spend hours on hours on hours producing it just to have somebody be like, well, 
just like recreate whatever I did way better and in two seconds. So I've been focusing more energy on writing rather than uh, taking things to production these days. Well, great. Well, you know, you have very busy days between the hockey and the music. You All your days are pretty filled, it sounds like. So that's great. Well, keep keep doing what you're doing. Jim, did you have anything else? I did. I, I want to comment that, Piper, your music is very good. Uh, I, I'm impressed with how quick you can write a song after thought. Because <laughs> I, I see many of your postings, and I, you always play it off as, oh, I just wrote this one in the last, you know, 10 minutes or something. Uh, they're rather good. Uh, very catchy. I, I, I think you should pursue it heavily, to be honest with you. Um, and, uh, I think well, it's cool. I think it's cool that you got that little blast. Well, it's not even little the blast at the climate pledge, the other game during uh, one of the breaks. Uh, if I recall, what happened? Yeah. I wasn't there. What happened? They played some of your music. Yeah, they yeah, did. They, yeah. They played one of my songs. Um, at a Kraken game, which the, like the sounders have been playing them at games, but I haven't been there. Wow. And nobody sent me videos, so I know that's been happening, but I ha don't have evidence. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was so cool to hear it played in Climate Pledge, and I know that they're going to play them more. So well, I don't know when or how or what, but I've been told that they're going to play them more. So, But I think that they're they're having more of a focus this season on like playing local music anyways. So um maybe we'll hear more local artists regardless, but thank you. Um, I really appreciate that. And honestly, that's kind of my favorite thing about the shred of musical talent that I have. Like, I, I don't consider myself to be that strong of a singer. Like when people are like, sing the national anthem. I was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna sing the national anthem in front of 20,000 people. Like, it's not to say that I couldn't, but it's just like, you know, sometimes you have to know where your strengths are, right? right. So, but, so anyways, but I, I, I'd like to just write stories. And sometimes I just have like a thought and I'm able to, yeah, just spin a web in 20 minutes. And I always tell my dad that I'm like, I know when a song's gonna be good because if I have to sit and fuss with it, if I have to fuss with it because it's too clunky or this melody is just not with this one, it's not going to be a good song. Maybe I can revisit that chunk and use it in something else, some like different time. But the best songs that I write are songs that I can sit down and write in 20 minutes and we're done. And it's like, boom. Um, but also I post a lot on Twitter that aren't even that good, but I think they're fun ideas. They're like, I'm like, this is a cool story that I have spun here. Um, Very catchy. It's, but, it's good well, stuff. You. It really is. Thank you. I really appreciate sure, that. Thanks sure. for listening to my weird photo booth no, <laughs> slow jams on my couch that I'm writing in tonight. <laughs> perfect stuff. It's, it's all that matters. Well, thanks. Yeah, that's great. Yes. Well, I mean, I knew that, you know, I've been looking on your Twitter. Yeah, lover of punk rock, hockey, and vegetables. So what's not to like? Well, look at that. I hey. do love vegetables. Oh, good. What's your favorite veggie? Is there a particular? That wasn't one of Jim's questions. I can throw that in. Is there one? Um, no, there's not one, but I do just really like like green beans, peas. I love peas. Like when I was a child, I used to just, and I still do it today, just eat an entire bag of frozen peas in a sitting. I just did it like last week. How healthy of you. Wow. That's very nice. I don't know if it's one of those things where like you're left to fend for yourself. So you just like grow to like love something weird, like just eating a whole bag of frozen peas, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> better than a bunch of, bunch of candy. I mean, that's great. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, Piper, thanks so much. Wow, we had a great chat with you and all. I hope we see you around at a game and uh, and or one of your gigs somewhere along the line. So, uh, but we appreciate you coming on Kraken Fancast with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and hopefully we will see you around. Thank you, Piper. Sounds good. Take care, Piper. All right, great time with Piper. Uh, Jim, thanks for joining me on that, and uh, and uh, much, much uh, gratitude and thanks to Piper Shaw for joining us. Hope to uh, talk with her again in the future. And uh, hope to have some more interviews in the future, too, where we have some others that uh, we are in the midst of scheduling, also some other interaction with other podcasts uh, that will be coming up. So it's great to have some uh, special guests on a lot of our episodes here. So thanks to all those folks for participating and uh, many to come. Uh, also, hopefully we'll have uh, a few more uh, special things, sort of expanded editions of the interviews on our Patreon page. And you may wonder, what is Patreon? Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for creators to get funding. And so we get some of our funding from Patreon. It costs us some money to do this. And so things like sponsorship, like mentioning the Angry Beaver and uh, Silver City Brewing earlier, Patreon funding also helps us keep doing what we're doing for patrons. It's a great way to join their favorite creators community, help with funding, and get some perks along the way. So we'll have some little prizes and things along the way. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash fancast and find us there. We have some different levels. So we, uh, we invite you and um, humbly ask you to check that out to uh, support our, our fancast here. So thanks much to all of those who already do. And uh, we appreciate any consideration. Also, we also very much appreciate any likes we get on social media. Like us on our Facebook page under Kraken Fancast. We also have a Kraken Fancast page on Instagram. It's ever growing. Also ever growing on our Twitter page. We, you can find us at Cast Kraken. And we also have a YouTube page. I've done a few little uh, post-game uh, uh, updates. And um, also our producer, Jay Middleton, is doing some... Uh, update things on our um, Podbean and on our fan and also a Kraken Fancast website. Uh, you can find us at uh, seattlekrakenfancast.com. Please uh, check out our website. All of our past episodes are on there and info about all the participants on this Fancast. So uh, thanks uh, for doing all of that, for your listenership and your support. And also thanks much as always to our producer, Jay Middleton. Thanks, Jim and Nathan, for joining me. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with more game discussion news and interviews. I'm Chris Porter, your humble host. Thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, we say, go, go Crackin'. Crackin'.